And um, I hope that as you leave here, uh, that you understand that the devil is going to double his attack on you. Um, you've come to an army training, and uh, what is the reason you come to an army training except that you know that you have to be in a fight? And when you leave this place, I want you to remember all the faces, the people that you've met. These are your comrades. These are your brothers and sisters. And, you know, even though you're on one side of the battlefield and they're on another side and you're not going to see them for a while, you've got to fight with your brothers and sisters in mind. Amen. Amen. And so let's let's be faithful for one another. Amen. Amen. Now, um. This is my last message for, for Army, Army 3, and I uh, just wanted to share, you know, uh, your, your minds are probably on overload right now, so um, I'm going to try not to really cause your minds to crash, um, but I want to share, uh, uh, we're going to actually cover in this last session, how many of you were here for our five-dimensional study yesterday? Okay, so we're going to do a, a couple more dimensional studies. Is that okay? Uh, some of the ones that I gave yesterday, some of you may have attempted it, um, uh, attempted to, to, to do some of those assignments I gave yesterday. We'll cover a couple of those assignments, and I'm going to share some other, you know, little big things that will help you as you study the Bible. So let's pray, and uh, we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, um, please speak to us today, Lord. Grant us an understanding of your word and of the principles found in your word. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Um, I think that uh, one of the most important things uh, when it comes to Bible study is one of the things I hear people say you know, mo most often is, you know, how did you get that? You know, when I read the Bible... I can't seem to grasp uh, or to get that deep in the scripture. Like, I'll just read it and, you know, nothing jumps out at me. And uh, I believe that uh, the, the answer to, to that problem, well, first of all, the problem is, and I say this kindly, but that the mind is, is weak when it comes to spiritual things. Um, and again, I don't say that in a, in a mean way. I just say it in a realistic way. We want to strengthen our minds. Isn't that right? The stronger your mind is, the stronger the mind uh, of Christ is in you. The more able you, you will be through the grace of God to open the word of God and to see things uh, the way that God would have you to see them. And so what we want to do is strengthen the mind. Um, and the way I like to put it is expand the mind. Um, you know, if, uh, if you ask me to fill your cup and you have one of those little, you know, it's not going to take a lot to fill your cup, right? You're not going to have space for a lot of juice. But if you come with like a container and you say, fill my cup, you're going to get a lot. And so, um, remember how we learned yesterday how God created the sky and then filled it and the earth 
and then filled it. Well, you know, imagine your mind as the, as the sky. And, you know, some of our minds might be like this big. And we're saying, God, please, I need to have my mind, what, expanded so that I can grasp the deeper truths of the word of God. So the question is, how do we expand the mind? Um, Ellen White says in uh, Review and Herald, uh, September 30, 1890, here's what she writes. By dwelling upon the revelation he has made of himself, we may behold something of his greatness and majesty. The more we contemplate his character, the more will our minds be expanded to take in the grand and solemn plan of redemption. So if I want to expand my mind, what do I need to do? I need to contemplate, contemplate, contemplate. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you are here for the Blueprint Part 3 message? Okay, how do you think that I was able to put that message together? I must have done a lot of what? Contemplating. A lot of contemplating. The more you contemplate upon the word of God, something happens to your mind space. God begins to expand it. Okay? Um, She says in Gospel Workers, page 76, the Bible should be diligently studied. The truth of God, like gold, is not always lying right on the surface. It is to be obtained only by earnest thought and study. This study will not only store the mind with valuable knowledge, but will strengthen and expand the mental powers. How many of you want your mental powers expanded? The more we contemplate upon these grand themes of the Bible, the more our minds will expand. Isaiah 26.3, who knows what that says? Thou will keep him, what? In perfect peace, whose what? Mind is what? Stayed. Focus on that word for a moment. Stayed on thee. Stayed on thee. What does that mean? Remain. Focused. Fixed. Continual. Continual. You know, um, how many of you have a set time of Bible study? Okay. A set time that you do Bible study. Okay. That's good. And you, you should have a set time to do Bible study. And sometimes that time may, may uh, you know, may be different one day than it is another day. But it's always good to have a set time of Bible study. But let me suggest something to you that there could be a danger to having a set time of Bible study. And let me explain to you, you know, what I mean. Like, okay, when I go to the Bible at my set time of Bible study, I go to the Bible in anticipation. You want to know why? Why? Because I have already been studying 
previously. Okay, so you look at me like, huh? Um, I'm going to call it Achieving 24-7. Achieving what, everyone? 24-7. Okay. What do you think that means, achieving 24-7? It means you are always studying your Bible, whether you have it in your hand or it's at home and you're at work. So, Pastor, how do I continually study the Bible? I don't get it. You know, how does that happen? You're always thinking. Let, let me tell you something. When I became, when I first, when I decided I was going to become a pastor, I remember one of the first things I thought. I was terrified to death because I said, wait a minute. If I become a pastor, that means for the rest of my life, every seven days, I must preach a sermon from the Bible. Now, I guess that wasn't a big thing. That doesn't sound like a big thing to you. Like, Pastor, big deal, what? To me, that was a big deal. Because you got to understand, when I first learned about the Sabbath, it took me like months and months to figure out, okay, this is how you give a study on the Sabbath. And I'm thinking, okay, if it took me months to, to like figure out how to give a study on the Sabbath, how in the world, like I learned, how does someone, how does a pastor put together a message every week for the rest of his life? Have you ever thought about that? Okay, if you've never thought about it, think about it. Someone said to you, I am requiring you to be a pastor you have no choice. You must now be a pastor. You'd start to think about that. <gasps> For the rest of my life, every seven days, I must come up with a sermon that is going to move people to make decisions for eternity. And in my mind, like this is, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to become a pastor. No, I had no clue. All I knew was that God was going to make me a pastor. And I was so convicted. I was like, well, I better get a head start now. And you know what I did? I bought myself a notepad, and I started thinking, okay, there's a sermon idea. All right, here's another sermon idea. Okay, there's another one. Three sermon ideas. That's not good enough. And every... It, what began to happen was that literally as I was, you know, if I was walking down the street and, you know, I saw a, a you know, pebble on the sidewalk, I would go, oh, an object lesson. <laughs> All right, there's a sermon, the pebble on the sidewalk. That'll be the title. I'm not sure what it's going to be about yet, but that will be the title. Yes, at least the title is good. And so seriously, day after day after day, anything that I saw, I was taking it and making an object lesson of it and going, okay, there's something, there's something. And what I didn't realize I was doing 
What was I doing? I was developing my sermons, but I was what? Keeping my mind stayed on Jesus. Now, that has become such a habit that, like, even when I'm minding my own business, I'll just be like, ooh, oh, yes. So I'll give you an example. Um, just this weekend, uh, I was, uh, um, how many of you remember the, uh, the, the young man that was lost? Jacob. So, you know, Jacob's mom is talking to me. He's lost. She's crying. She's, where's my son? Where's my son? He's lost, right? And, you know, we're all, like, worried and what's going on? Where is he? And, um, you know, hours and hours and hours pass, and, um, and then they find him. And, uh, you know, he, Joseph, I mean, Jacob, right? Jacob was missing. And when, she found, when they found him, he was doing what? How many of you remember? What was he doing? He was studying the Bible. And as soon as she said he was studying the Bible, like, I didn't think about this, the term just came into my mind, huh, he was missing, uh, no, he was missing in action. Oh. oh boy. And I thought, would to God that we would all be missing in action. Where's Joseph? He's off somewhere giving a Bible study. <laughs> He's missing in action. Would to God that we would all be what? Missing in action. And I thought, okay, there's my sermon. This one's going to get preached somewhere. Like, I, really, I wasn't thinking, okay, I need a sermon. My mind was just, oh, there's an object lesson. Wow, would to God that we would all be missing in action. Um, how many of you know the iPhone, 4G, the 4G iPhone? How many of you have a 4G iPhone? You know, and are you proud of that 4G iPhone? Oh, only one person here has a, has a 4G? How many of you know what 4G stands for? Generation. Fourth generation. So one day I'm minding my own business, and, uh, you know, 4G, fourth generation. And I said, oh, my goodness, Yeah. There it is, right there. Uh, so I have a sermon coming up about 4G. You say, Pastor, come on, 4G what? Well, um, you know, do you know that there are 4G Adventists? Okay, so you, you let, me, let me get, you know, some Adventists take pride. You don't, do you know what I am? I'm 4G. <laughs> what? And somebody else comes along, 4G. Come on, man. Five. <laughs> 5G. And we get this thing, you know, I mean, I, I, think, I think we have some 6G. I'm 6G, man. What? You're just three. What? Okay, but, but, but a true Adventist 
can only be one G. Are you with me? The Jews were like, 8G, 10G. You know who our father is? Our father is Abraham. And how many Adventists put stock? You understand what I'm saying? I'm a 6G Adventist. Look, you must be born again. You can't depend upon your parents or their parents or your lineage. You must be 1G. Right? So what's happening? My everyday surroundings becomes my sermons. And, and then when I get the concept, I go to the Bible and I say, Lord, show me. How can I demonstrate this concept of being a first-generation Adventist only and always? I mean, yeah, in the physical, uh, you can be 5G. Nothing wrong with that. But in the spiritual, you must be what? 1G. Um, many of you wonder about this scar on my head. Have you been wondering? Um, we moved into a new house about uh, uh, some months back, four, about four, four months ago, something like that. Anyway, in this house, there is a, uh, there's an office on the, on the uh, second floor, and there are steps that go up outside the office. And there are windows that open up. They, you know, they're not the up and down. They wind out. Metal tip windows. And uh, I'm looking at this window, you know, and it's open. My kids, uh, Jaden and Genesis, they like to play in the office. And so um, they like to open the windows. And, you know, I'm, uh, we're new in the house, and I'm looking at the window. I'm like, you know what? And I say to Genesis and Julia, uh, kids, don't open this window because somebody could run up the steps and not see the window and have something really bad happen to them. So uh, Genesis and Leah, yeah, 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 okay, you know. But then they, you know, they're kids and they forget. So they keep planning. Kids do not open the window. Okay, daddy, okay. One day, just before prayer meeting, um, I'm trying to get to prayer meeting and I forget something in my office. So I take off running. And uh, as I'm running, I get to the steps and I start jumping you know, three, four steps at a time. And as I'm running and jumping, I'm in midair, and I suddenly see something coming towards me. And then the tip of the window, the metal tip, catches me right. It misses my eye by about a centimeter, goes down my face, my neck, my shoulder. And uh, blood is just everywhere. And I'm wondering, have I gone blind? You know, I don't know what's happened to my face. I'm just like, oh my. So, my wife calls the ambulance. The ambulance comes. On the way, well, the ambulance didn't take me. My wife actually ended up taking me. On the way to the hospital, hmm. Jesus warned us, don't sin. We were like, okay, Jesus, we got it, we got it, we got it. We sinned. And it gave him a scar. Huh. 
object lesson. I'm going to use this in my next evangelistic series. <laughs> my kids to this day have never opened that window again. <laughs> when they see, when they saw what they have not touched the window I don't even think they've looked at the window <laughs> because they were there when it happened. Like I was running up and they were behind me and they had never heard what they heard. You know, I, I didn't, they didn't hear. They just heard their, their dad go, ah. <laughs> um, when we look at the cross, We need to see what our sins did to Jesus. And when we see what our sins did to Jesus, no thank you, sin. I don't want anything to do with, with it. You understand? So what I'm trying to share with you is in every experience of your life, you ought to be studying the Bible. In this way, you, be, you learn to what? Keep your minds stayed upon God. So now, when you go to the Bible, you're, you're not going to the Bible like, hmm, what should I study now? You're going to the Bible and your life experiences are leading you going, oh man, I can't wait to kind of build what I have been thinking all day. To flesh out what I have been thinking about all day. Keep your mind stayed on Jesus. If you're in nature, you're looking at object lessons from nature. If you're at work, you're thinking about object lessons at work. Wherever you are, if you're washing the dishes, you're thinking about object lessons as you're washing the dishes. Whatever you're doing, you're, you're training your mind to, to be stayed upon the word of God. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, let's see here. How much time do we have left? 20 minutes? Okay. Two hours? Yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and um, do a little bit more of the exercises we were doing yesterday, uh, the five-dimensional exercises. We're just going to go over a few more examples. And you'll remember, part of expanding the mind, and this is a good concept, this is a good example of learning to expand the mind. We talked about uh, looking at the scriptures five-dimensionally. Uh, some of you asked, is there, you know, is there more than five dimensions? And I answered, I don't know. Um, but as you, as you look at the scripture, not as a one-dimensional book, as a flat book, but as a book that opens up into dimensions, your study of the word of God will grow deeper and your mind will what? Expand. How many of you feel like your minds have expanded over the last few days? Right? Because you have begun, you've, 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 you've seen the scripture, you've seen maybe the account of Genesis, what, what you know, uh, Peter Gregory shared, what I shared with my testimony going through the book of Genesis. By the way, do you know that you can share your own testimony through the book of Genesis? Do you know you can share your testimony through the sanctuary, just like we've seen? Each one of you can share your testimony. That, that is like a, um, a template. And you can just fill in your testimony no matter what your testimony is. 
Okay, so what we're trying to do is we're trying to expand our minds to, to, to grasp the, the ever-expanding truths of the Word of God. Amen? All right, so um, we're going to look at our dimensions, and let, let's do this again just for those who were not here. How many dimensions did we cover yesterday? There are five dimensions, and what are those five? F- dimension number one is the flat dimension. That is what is on the surface, Right? That is all the details, the, you know, the things that are plainly there written. Um, who is it talking about? Where is it? The context. Okay, that's just what's on the surface. And uh, you don't need to be spiritual to see what's on the, what's on the surface. Anybody can take a, you know, a reading and go, okay, this, this is talking about Paul. This is talking about you know, Peter. This is talking about Nehemiah. Uh, he is uh, currently in Israel. All those details are, are important. The flat dimension, the first dimension, must be correct in order to build all the other dimensions. Amen? So it is important to understand the first dimension, but it doesn't take spiritual, it doesn't take a spiritual eye to see that the context is speaking about Israel or Babylon, or etc. It's the flat dimension, it's what's on the surface. The second dimension? The Christ dimension. That means, how does this verse or story relate to Jesus Christ? The third dimension? The me dimension. How does this story relate to me? And by the way, the only way the story relates to you is through Christ. Does that make sense? In Christ, these stories relate to you. So the third dimension is how does this relate to me? The fourth dimension, how does it relate to the church? The fifth dimension, how does it relate to heaven? Okay? So um, let's talk about, I had mentioned um, the exodus, the exodus yesterday. So let's, let's lay out the, the, uh, the first dimension and I'll give you the, 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 the dimension, and then you help me build the other dimensions. We're simply going to look at the Exodus. The children of Israel leaving Egypt, coming out of captivity. Okay? That's the, that's the part of the first dimension that we're going to focus on. There are many dimensions, I mean, there are many parts of the first dimension we can focus on, but for this particular example, we're simply focusing on the action of Israel coming out of captivity, coming out of Egypt. All right, that's the first dimension. Second dimension, what dimension is that? Christ dimension. What comes to your mind? Resurrection. Christ, exodus, or Christ leaving or escaping captivity. What, what tried to hold him captive? Death. You got that? Third dimension. The me dimension. How does this relate to me in a personal way right now? Salvation? Being born again? God wants to lead me out of what? Out of captivity, out of sin. Right? Can you give me some verses? 
You shall know the truth. I like that. And the truth shall set you free. Any other verses? Confess your sins. Uh, how about he that is dead is freed from sin? You're no longer, that's right, no longer in bondage. So these verses, uh, we're looking at Egypt coming out of Exodus, but we can make a secondary application. I'm sorry, Israel coming out of Egypt. We can make a secondary application of Jesus coming out of the grave. But by the way, is there another application? I just thought of this. I didn't think of this before. In that second dimension. Jesus is the truth, the way, and the life. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Come out of her, my people. What application is that going to the church? Okay? Fourth dimension. God's church is to call his people out of what? Out of Babylonian captivity. What about the fifth dimension? <laughs> huh? Okay. Fifth dimension? God? Where, where, okay, you're saying heavenly, heavenly, but what is that? What, what is the application? Promised land? Where's the promised land? Heaven? And so we're going to heaven. We're leaving where? We're leaving the earth. We are the, the final exodus will be from this earth to where? To heaven. And just as the children of Israel crossed over a parted Red Sea, so we will cross over a parted sky. You got that? Okay, do you see those five dimensions? We, we've taken, a, taken just one particular part of the story of uh, the Exodus. We've applied it to Jesus escaping from the grave, just as Israel escaped from Egypt. We've applied it in its third dimension to us escaping from what? From sin. In the fourth dimension, it has a prophetic significance. God is calling his people out of captivity, out of Babylon. And in the fifth dimension, all of God's redeemed will be led by the second Moses through a parted sky. You know, the Bible says the sky will, I mean, uh, when Jesus comes, the sky will will, you know, be parted as a scroll. Okay, so just as the Red Sea. So you see the application there? When you look at the scriptures, and once again, I'm saying that you may not be able to find this in all stories. Some stories you might only be able to take to the second dimension or the third dimension, but always look for the, you know, find the flat application and then say, now, Lord, how does this relate to Jesus? Okay, now, how does it relate to me? Okay, now how does it relate to the church and how does this relate to the future, to heaven? All right, let's do another one. Um, how, about, how about the manna? This should be real easy. 
Okay? So God rains down manna from heaven. That's the first application. God is raining down bread. That's the literal application. Secondary application. Second application, what is it? Christ says, I am what? The bread of life, okay? Third application. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Very good. Fourth application. Feed my sheep. That's a good one. Feed my sheep. Can anyone think of anything else? Okay, that's a good one, except to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and that also applies to the church as a whole. Let me ask you this. Um, how did the bread come? Okay, what did God do? Rain. Rain. Right? The bread was rained down. I want you to go with me very quickly to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. In fact, let's go to Exodus 16 first. Exodus chapter 16, verse 13 and 14. Exodus 16, verse 13 and 14. All right? And uh, what does it say there? Exodus 16, verse 13 and 14. Bible says here, And it came to pass that at even the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the what? Dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that was laid was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. So notice how the Bible, you know, uh, um, connects this concept of the manna falling with the dew, connecting it with rain. I want you to now notice Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 2. We'll start with verse 1. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as what? The rain, my speech, shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Is there coming a time where God will again rain, manna upon his church? What is that? It is the latter rain. Now, I hear that and I go, okay, that sounds good, and I, and I think it's biblical. I've gotten the verses. Huh, I wonder if Ellen White has anything to say on that connection. And so I go and I search, and I want you to listen. Ellen White says in Christian, in Christian Experiences and Teachers, page 208, the church is to be fed with manna from heaven and to be kept under the sole guardianship of his grace. 
Clad in armor of light and righteousness, she enters upon her final conflict. Do you see how she connects the final conflict with manna? Christian Experiences and Teachings, page 208. The dross, the worthless material, will be consumed, and the influence of truth testifies to the world of his sanctifying, ennobling character. So God is going to rain manna down on his church, just like he did back there at Pentecost. He will do it again in the last days. And it will be a raining down of the word of God, because what are we going to go and preach? The word of God. Isn't that right? The latter rain is the loud cry of the three angels' messages. So God is going to rain that bread down one more time for his church. That's the fourth application. Fifth application. Fifth dimension. Say it again. Hidden manna. When do we get that hidden manna? When we enter heaven. Are you with me? Are you following? That's right, the banquet, you know. We're going to sit at the welcome table one of these days, right? Hey, let's look at the sanctuary real quick. Then we got how much time? Ten minutes? Six minutes? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, feast days or sanctuary? <laughs> juice, juice it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll give you a little bit of both. How about that? Okay. So, sanctuary, first dimension, you have all your articles of furniture. This is the flat dimension. All right. Second dimension is what dimension? Christ dimension. You remember what we said? Christ was born ready to die. He was baptized at 38 in the, in the, at the Jordan. He went up into the wilderness where he was tempted to turn stone into bread, to uh, throw himself down and offer a prayer to God, and to just bow down to God, so, uh, bow down to Satan so that he can have his what? Seven branch candlestick. Then he goes on to preach. He overcomes and goes on to preach what? The kingdom of God. But there's another application here because we know that in Revelation chapter 1, John sees Jesus where? In the midst of the seven branch candlestick. So watch this then. Um, this altar of sacrifice represents the cross. Is that correct? Where did Jesus die? Jesus and the cross would be. All right, I'll just give you the answer here. Uh, let me. Where is this located now? Heaven. So where would this be? Good. So the cross represents what? It's earth. It's earth. The labor represents what? Purification. Purified, being washed, being cleansed. The priest had to be cleansed before he entered into the presence of God. So the altar of sacrifice, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension are all right here. Jesus is resurrected in a purified body glorified body. He enters into where? The holy place where he is ministering up until 1844 where he now goes into the most holy place. You get that? 
Okay? Um, the church. Oh, wait, we're in the third dimension. Okay? The third dimension is what? Us. We already went through it. We've got to go through the whole process because God ultimately wants to get us back where? To the most holy place. Fourth dimension, the church. Where did the church get its beginning? At the cross. Fifty days later, the church experiences Pentecost, a baptism. We know from the time of the church up until 1844, the church was living where? In the holy place, and since 1844, they've been in the most holy place. So that's our what dimension? Our fourth dimension. Okay? And what would our... Okay. I've been getting five minutes for like the fast, last three minutes. Oh, extra five minutes. Okay, good. I was like, man, it's, that's... Whew. Okay. So... Um, Fifth dimension, heaven. It will almost follow the same pattern of Christ. We leave this earth, purified bodies, where we enter the city of God to sit at the welcome table. <laughs> yeah, I think I had to stop there. But we're going to spend, what, a thousand years doing the work of kings and what? Priests. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, the Bible says, and then the tabernacle of God, or God, will be what? With men. That's the presence of God. In other words, God says, remember when in Exodus 25, he said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may do what? dwell among them at the end of the millennium when there is no more sin no more judgment we will forever be in the presence of God without the need of uh, sin totally finished and gone okay how about the feast days let's do that we can, I think we can wrap that up in 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 five minutes okay so how many of you can tell me just give me real quickly here what were those feast days Okay, I'm just going to initial here. We have uh, Passover, unleavened bread, uh, the uh, feast of, what's the next one? First fruits, and then what? Pentecost, and then trumpets, which was an announcement of the day of atonement or judgment. And then tabernacles. Okay? So that's the first dimension. What's the second dimension? Christ. Okay? So help me out here. Christ what? His death. That's Passover. His what? His burial. First fruits. His resurrection. Fifty days later, what happens? Say again. Okay. High priest. 
I mean, most of you are saying the, the, the latter rain, I mean, the early rain was poured out. But remember, that would be for what dimension? The church. Okay? What happened in heaven that corresponded with the church being empowered? Christ was inaugurated as what? As high priest. So that's what we're looking for. Pentecost, Christ is inaugurated as high priest. Okay? And then uh, he begins his work of uh, intercession. We get down to the Feast of Trumpets and Atonement, which basically go together because it is announcing the judgment. And we have what year? 1844. Jesus moving from holy place to what? Most holy place. And then we close with what? Tabernacles, meaning what? Jesus finally what? Being with us. Right? Okay, so that's the what dimension. That's the second dimension. How about the third dimension? How does this relate to me on a personal level now? We must what? Die, be buried, and what? Resurrected. We too must have a what experience? An early rain experience. We now must be living as though, not as though, living as, <laughs> we must be living according to what? The judgment. Because we're not living in the time of the judgment. How about tabernacles? Well, we want Jesus, what? Dwelling in us. That's right. Our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. That's the what dimension? That's third dimension. How about the fourth dimension? Let me ask you, what happened to the church when Jesus died? What happened to the disciples? When he died, didn't it seem like the church went through uh, death and burial? But when Jesus resurrected, are you with me? It's like the, the church was born again. It was like they, they, they went through the experience with Jesus. When he died, their hopes died with him. Right? So the church experiences a death, burial, resurrection. 50 days later? Huh? That's right. Pentecost. The church is empowered with the early rain. Eighteen. 1844, and then finally, again, tabernacles is what? Christ coming to redeem his people. Christ coming to redeem his people. So that is the, um, that's the fourth dimension. How about the fifth dimension? One minute, whoa. Fifth dimension. Those who have died 
in Christ and been buried in him will be what? Will be resurrected to ascend to heaven. Pentecost. Pentecost, somebody tell me again. Somebody said it. What happened with Jesus on the day of Pentecost? He was inaugurated as priest. What will happen to the people of God? Are you with me? What's going to happen with the people of God when they enter? They will be inaugurated as priest to do a work of? And at the end of that judgment, once again, the Bible says, behold, the tabernacle of God, the tabernacle of God is with men. Do you, th- do you see this as a law? Beloved, I encourage you as you begin to open the Bible and open it. Don't read it one dimensionally. Again, you may be able to, f- you may not be able to find five dimensions in every story, but the Bible is not a one dimensional book. All right. Are you excited to go home and study? I pray that you have been blessed. We still have two more meetings. I pray that you have been blessed. I pray that you will go home and that your study life will never be the same and that revival will occur in your heart, in your family, and in your church. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for speaking to us, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would expand our minds. Help us to see things we have never seen before, Lord. Lord, make us firm. Establish us in the truth, Lord. Bring us revival. Bring us reformation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com. Thank you and God bless.